Welcome back to Mav Geeks, a military aircraft obsession with myself, Alex Gill and Ginny Carlin. And today we're going back to take a look at an air show, one of the most iconic air shows, thankfully back after a year's break due to COVID. The Duxford Air Show returned and Ginny was there and boy, has she got some tales to tell from this incredible air show. So we have a little Mavgi confession to make this week, don't we, Al? Yeah, we do. So uh, something to point out to everyone is that you know we are we are super <laughs> geeky about all things regarding military aviation and just aviation in general. But we're, we're most certainly not experts, and I, I don't think we've ever pretended to be. We know a lot of we do know a lot of stuff, and between us, we've got quite a lot of knowledge packed away up here. But you know, this is why we speak to to the real experts on on the podcast. But uh, we did make a little bit of a faux pas regarding. Uh, a previous episode from the other week which is the one where we were talking about RAF Gibraltar and its gate guardian you might recall this Ginny oh my gosh you're right we're not experts we're fools to be fair <laughs> uh you know who talk a bit about planes but yes this was highlighted to us by lovely Vasco who did our tornado episode mm-hmm. uh, we talked about the gate guardian at RAF Gibraltar I was adamant it was the phantom because I was sure that the previous station commander was going to name the road Phantom Way. So I must have dreamt that, Al. Do you know what? It's funny, though, because I also vaguely remember that. And I don't know if that was when I was there or that was me talking to you about another... Uh, about the story but that that's sort of ringing a bell in my head as well how strange is that so vasco got back to us and was like i love you both dearly however you're wrong it's not the phantom it's a jaguar yeah and he sent um, us a photo as well and you know what looking at it <laughs> it, it fully is as well isn't it is <laughs> it unmistakably a jaguar but oops <laughs> i just i just had it in my head that it was a phantom so like alex says we're not experts we are fools so uh, kudos to vasco for very graciously pointing that out to us. absolutely if, if you've got anything else you want to point out to us please don't tell us too much we're getting it wrong because we will get quite upset uh, it's just mavgeeks at bfbs.com we'd absolutely love to hear from you yeah so al tell me what has been going on with you this week anything interesting Okay. Uh, so, well, here at um, RAF Fries Norton, we had a couple of very interesting aircraft go over our heads uh, the other day that we spotted. Uh, and it turns out that there is a lot more been coming into RAF Fairford just down the road from Bryce, which is uh, US Air Force controlled. It's the home of RIAT, but they have currently got an absolutely massive contingent of B1s. And I've got to say, uh, they get a lot of bombers there. They got a lot of the US uh, Air Force bombers turning up at Fairford every now and again. The B2s were there recently. Air Force Ones landed there. I've seen it there before. That's been pretty cool. <laughs> but um, the, the the B1s look to me like uh, like bird. They uh, you know like planes are called birds, right? And you know yeah, uh, yeah. British Airways call sign is always speed bird and things like that. But these actually look like birds to me in the sky. If you look at them and they go over your head, they look like giant pterodactyls, I think. They look like an actual flying <laughs> animal. And I just think they look very, very graceful. There have been some absolutely stunning photos. I know a lot of the uh, the kind of the, the spotter community around Bryce also kind of heads over to Fairford when anything interesting is happening down there. Um, but a pair of them went went over Bryce uh, on, on the inbound course to Fairford. And they're just, they were immaculate. They looked 
amazing. They're there with the 501st Combat Support Wing at Fairford as part of uh, the Bomber Task Force mission to enable US bomber crews to integrate with coalition allies and partners to enhance readiness. So they're, they're basically there to do you know, a bit of training and a bit of coalition between all their European partners and friends, part of the US Strategic Command, uh, who are going to be there alongside the Royal Air Force uh, and the US Air Forces in Europe. So a lot of people uh, are kind of over for the B-1 visit at the moment, but it everyone around this part of the world in Gloucestershire and, and West Oxfordshire anytime there's a a cool American thing happening at Fairford everyone knows about it and it's it's pretty awesome I mean you're absolutely right they do look phenomenal I, and I think they look very much of a of a time I mean I think they're coming to being about 50 years old aren't they the B1Bs they're not they're not new aircraft at all uh, but they still look absolutely amazing and very kind of cold war spacey you know what i mean i think they do look very spacey yeah they do look cold war spacey that kind of like things that were designed in a kind of 50s sci-fi sort of way you know is that do you get what i mean by that yeah 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 definitely we were talking a little bit about the Lockheed martin u2 the other day i mean they're even older but they've got that same kind of vibe going on haven't they yeah they absolutely have interesting though actually i've just looked it up that the b1 uh, we say it looks, uh, you know, a bit older than it does. Actually, first flight was in 1974. It's not as old as I thought it was. I thought it was a 60s aircraft. That's really interesting. Can I, can I just say, Al, I was born in 1974, so you saying that has made me feel really <laughs> <Sorry>. good. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I mean it. All oh, right. <laughs> good. That, that, not that, as old as you think. That, uh, thank you. That accidentally <laughs> went really well for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome brownie points. So do you think you might see more B1Bs? Do you think you might get a chance to, you know, approach one at any time? Maybe. So they've done a media call that I would really love to go to. And at the moment, we're just working out if I can go or not. But if I get the chance to go up and get close to them, because it's not often you get to get up close with these type of aircraft, especially like the the sneaky secret sort of American bomber yeah. type ones. So if they are doing a media call for, for, for everyone to kind of go and talk about why they're there uh, with the 501st, 501st, hard to say the American wing sometimes, 501st combat support wing so if i get to go fingers crossed i would love it absolutely oh my gosh i'd be so jealous so that's pretty cool something else pretty mad has happened to me this week but when i say pretty mad i mean in a mav geek way i mean anybody else listening would be mm. like what are you talking about so um obviously we're into our military aircraft but we also are into our civil jets as well aren't we quite a bit i mean there's a, there's a big crossover yeah. there so i was looking on uh, flight radar the other day and noticed that it was the final flight for the italian airline alitalia and i mean they've been going for years the national carrier uh, Kind of an iconic look with the A on the tail. I was reading up on it that there's been a bit of argy bargy going on, uh, you know, with, within Italy about about uh, Alitalia and, and a new airline that's popped up as the national carrier. So I won't go into that. But anyway, so it did its final flight from Cagliari to Rome. I think it was an A320. Um, so I had a little look at it, and as I was looking, I noticed a fast jet off the coast of Italy. I thought, hmm, what's this? Mm. I looked. It was an Air Mackie. Ah, I, I, I like the Air Mackies. Was it a MB339? Yeah, it was a 339. So, you know that whole Kevin Bacon thing of there's like seven steps to Kevin Bacon? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I've realised there is like seven steps to the Air Mackie, right? Okay, so... <laughs> here we go. I, <laughs> Step one. So, I mean, some of them are quite dubious, but, you know, here we are. So, 
We start off with the whole Alitalia thing, and mm-hmm. used obviously Air Mackie used by the Italian Air Force and the the Free Tricolori, who are the Italian Air Force's uh, display team, like our Red Arrows. I wanted you to say that because I knew I wouldn't be able to say it. Uh, used by a few different uh, air forces, also used by the Argentine Air Force as well, and used. In the Falklands conflict, which, as you know, Al, Falklands, I lived there for almost three years, big part of my life, loved the Falklands. Mm. And during the battle for Goose Green, uh, the MB339 was shot down. In fact, a few of them were shot down. And the airframe from one of them shot down is now preserved at this South Yorkshire Aircraft Museum, which, Al, I am going to on Wednesday to oh. record for Math Geeks. No way. Oh, I'm so jealous. I've I've always wanted that? to get up and close with the 339. Seriously, ever ever since I saw the Tricolori first perform at the Air Tattoo uh, in 2014, and I thought it was I'd, I'd seen the Reds before, and obviously they're my favourite. They have to be, but I'd never seen a, a, an international Air Force display team, and they were the second one I ever saw. And since then, they've always been my my second favourite because they're just amazing. And ever since then, I've, I've wanted to go up and see one of their aircraft because they're quite old as well. There's a thing, there's a weird like trend of uh, display teams using quite old aircraft. You know, the Hawk T ones. Let's not let's yeah. not beat around the bush. They're not they're not <laughs> spring chickens, and neither neither is the three three nine, frankly. But they they keep using them for display teams because you know that they're really good and they're really manoeuvrable. But yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing that happens. I mean, it's not quite a Kevin Bacon esque six or seven steps, is it? But you you get what I'm I'm getting at. I do. And I, I, Hey, let's face it. We can we can link things back to being Mav geeks pretty easily. It doesn't it doesn't take too much. <laughs> but I was really impressed actually because I looked at it. I thought, mm. and I looked into the Air Mac a little bit more because it's something I've heard of, but it's not anything I've like. You know, we know about the typhoon, we know about the tornado, we know about the dry star a little bit. But it, it's an aircraft that I've never really looked very much into but then i think i i should have done with the whole falklands thing but it's also the one that i saw uh, is owned by a private owner as well so somebody wow. has got their own air Mackey. i mean that is Gi- very cool giuseppe or giovanni's got his own or got her own air Mackey. how cool is that so jinster speaking about you going off and getting up close with pretty cool aircraft a few weeks ago you were at the home of some amazing aircraft that the public get to go up and get close to see at the much awaited return of the one and only duxford air show and i mean i saw you there i saw your photos i was so jealous that i couldn't make it how was it it was amazing and i got so much content obviously we work for bfbs radio i got so much content because people were so willing to talk about their aircraft. So many warbirds there. I mean, this is why we've called this episode the Warbird Special, uh, because we're going to be talking about all different aircraft from obviously the Cold War, but the Second World War too. But people were so open to chatting uh, because they'd been away from the air shows for like two years. And it was just a really nice vibe over the place. You know what I mean? It was just awesome. And I stayed there the whole two days, got so much stuff and loved every single second of it. Um, So we're going to be having a look at some of the warbirds that I managed to get up close and personal with. One of them, very personal. I actually got inside the B-17. Ah, did you? Oh, man. I know. The the smell of it was just incredible. What did it smell like? Uh, uh, Old old aircraft. (laughs) Oil. (laughs) It smelt like experience and... Like you say, that lovely oily smell. It just smelt vintage. I'm trying to think of the word. What's the word? 
historic. <laughs> yeah, it did. It smelt it smelt historic. It smelt like the smell of experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it was just incredible. I met some amazing people who look after these aircraft on a shoestring. So I'm going to start out with the interview that I did with Phil Meldrum. Now, Phil is ground crew with Plane Sailing's PBY-5A Catalina. I mean, what an absolutely beautiful aircraft. Originally built as a reconnaissance and anti-submarine aircraft, the 77-year-old airframe flew that weekend. It saw service in Canada during the Second World War, and uh, I was asking Phil all the right questions. It's very smooth. The wingspan's the same size as a B-17. Yeah. So it cruises. It cruises at 110 knots, and it's great if you're sitting in the blister, looking out, because you feel right. like you're outside the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, where does the passion come from? What, what, what's attracted you to the Catalina? I think two things. One is it's the age of the plane and the Second World War planes, and and two, as an engineer, you want to get get involved in the plane. And you have to tell people when we do a walkthrough on the plane, not, not during the COVID time, but normally, please don't touch anything because it's a flying <laughs> plane. It's not a museum piece. And for you as an engineer, I mean, it must be hard to find parts for it. And it must, no, it, it, no, there are still parts around the world. Right, uh, okay. like the engine, one of the engines has just been reconditioned and that goes over to the States. And there's, there's about 14 flyable planes around the world, mostly the US and Australia. Parts are difficult but they you can get them and there are there any any quirks with the catalina when you're fixing her or when you're flying in her i think it's like it's like a classic car isn't it? there's always quirks something's always going to go wrong something new fixing so do you get to do water landings uh, not not in this country it's the last water landing was in loch ness and wow. there was a problem one of the engines failed so right. it couldn't take off ah, so right. it was stuck in loch ness so uh, a crane took it out of the water luckily enough the old RNLI place, put it on the bank. So our guys went up there and changed the engine there, got a new engine running, and then brought it back home again. So uh, of all the planes that are here at Duxford, including your own, including the Catalina, of all the planes that are here, and in the hangars as well, if you had to choose a second one, don't worry, I won't tell the Catalina. B-17, without a doubt, B-17. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is, but it's amazing if we're both in the same hangar. Catalina right. B-17. If you get into the B-17, you think it's a massive plane. But if you get inside the bomb bay, it's quite small. It, the, the bomb load of the B-17 wasn't as much as a mosquito. A mosquito wow. could have a big, bigger bomb load. My final question for the Catalina. If you had to sell the Catalina to people, what, what would you say? What, why would you say your plane is not better than other planes, but why is it so special to you? Nostalgia, what it did. You know, the first part of the war, it was search and destroy U-boats. The main part of the war was search and rescue. If you get inside, it's like a submarine inside. People get in and go, they go, wow. Oh, Al, seriously, it was, it made the most beautiful sound, the Catalina. And trying to get your head around the fact that there was a time when planes landed on, on a lake, you know, you know what I mean? The golden age of flying. Bonkers, it looked so right? graceful. It just, it was like so art deco. It was just absolutely beautiful and the love that Phil Meldrum and the rest of the crew had for that plane uh, and seeing how she flew and just making sure that she was available to the rest of the public and everything. Do you know what I've always it thought just, about it? It was lovely. Is that the bit that connects the wings to the to the fuselage just looks weird, right? It looks like it was an afterthought, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how can we connect this bit to this bit? 
we'll just put a bit of metal there and it can link them together. It just makes no sense. It, it looks almost, I think Catalina looks like a child's drawn it. Again, in we, a nice well, we, way. Though. We've said this about the Buccaneer as well, didn't we? We said that yeah, exact yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah. Looks like a boat that someone thought, ah, let's put some wings on it. But just absolutely beautiful and so graceful because, you know, it's a, it's a big old aircraft. And, and just hearing the sound of it, and, and when Phil was saying in the interview about that they'd landed on uh, the lake and it had broken down <laughs> and they had to try and get it off the lake again. I mean, that's like, that's proper like Mav Geek problems, isn't it? You know, you, you don't think of things like that happening. The worst places to break down, I guess, because I bet it was very scenic, well, yeah. but you don't want to have to swim for miles if you can't get back to land. That's pretty problematic. No, absolutely. So that was the Catalina, an absolute beautiful aircraft. And I keep saying that Art Deco look to it, just really, really lovely. So the second interview I'm going to play for us, Al, is when I had a chat with Mark Petrie, uh, owner of the two aircraft that make up the Strike Master Display UK team. Now, this was a plane that I didn't know very much about at all. Um, I knew an awful lot more about it by the end of Duxford because it just looked so smooth. I couldn't keep away. Mm-hmm, <laughs> do, mm-hmm. do you know much about the Strike Master? Well, so uh, it, it's basically a um, an armed version of the Jet Provost, right? So the, the Jet mm-hmm. Provost back in the day was flown by the Air Force uh, for, in about 1955. It was a jet trainer, you know, like the Hawk is today and like they've got, yeah. like the Takano is and and the, the Texan is these days. So it's, it's a jet trainer. Um, but the Strike Master was the, the one with guns, basically. It was the one that they used to go and do the actual attacking. And that doesn't really happen very often now right none of the the jet trainers that the air force have got these days are used in any combat role they're there to to train people but this was you know back in the day it was they trained people on the jet that they would also use to to fly those combat missions as opposed to build people up to today like flying the typhoon or the tornado or something like that so um it was an intro had an interesting crossover i mean the jet provost i love because like you just said they look graceful they look amazing I've never seen a display team though, and I'm kind of gutted because I bet they look amazing. Oh, just incredible! I, I took a bit of uh, like video on my phone um, just when the uh, strike masters were, were getting ready to taxi. Both pilots like got in the aircraft, and then there was just this scream. I've, I've never heard anything like it. This absolute squeal from the engines. It was, well, I want to say it was beautiful. You know what I mean, Al? It was like, oh. Oh, this is a proper air show sound. Uh, and then they taxied off, took off and just did their thing. It was a beautiful, beautiful aircraft. Yeah. So if you look up Jet Provost, the status is, this is quite funny, mostly retired, some examples flown privately. And I'm like, all these people who just own fast jets, like private, it's like, you know, it's like owning a car. They, they, they just own it outright. You know, it's their property. It just blows my mind that someone can own a Jet Provost. It's just weird. But can you imagine, Al, Owning two. Uh, that's what former RAF fast jet pilot Mark Petrie does. He's the owner of the two aircraft that make up the display. Well, the story is I'm ex-Air Force, ex-Air Force fast jet pilot, a commercial pilot for a large airline, still doing a little bit of flying there. Been involved with flying these type of aeroplanes for the last 21 years. The Strikemaster is a lovely machine to display. I flew Jet Provost in the Air Force. I have owned a Jet Provost in the past. And the Strike Master is just the, really the big brother of the Jet Provost uh, with a lot more thrust. And it's just really nice seeing all the friendly people at Duxford showing appreciation to all the aircraft here. And we had a wonderful reception from the crowd yesterday. I was here yesterday as well. It was truly an amazing display. I was going to ask, what, what's the aircraft like to fly? Are there any quirks? There are, there are quirks. And funny <laughs> enough, they're both slightly different. Um, 
So the grey one, which is the one I fly, is straight out of the Amani Air Force. We bought it directly wow. off them. It's very light on the whole to fly, except in pitch. So how hard is it to maintain these aircraft now? Because it must it's, be hard to find parts. No, it isn't. A lot of good planning. I bought up two massive stockpiles of spares <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago. So we actually have enough spares to keep us going for a considerable time. Uh, I run an engineering business, aircraft engineering business. We specialise specifically in jet provost and stripe masters. We organise getting spares remanufactured uh, where we can. So we don't see a problem keeping these aircraft going for quite a time yet. And how important do you think it is to keep these aircraft flying? It's important for the youngsters actually because they don't get to see variety very much these days and we do get an enormous number of youngsters showing a lot of interest mm. in them because they're small, they're approachable, we can actually get children into the aeroplanes to mm. show them occasionally. When we're doing some of our practice displays over the Cheshire Plain um, earlier this month we've actually had feedback on social media that we've inspired children who looked up to watch what was going wow. on and there isn't that much air force flying around as there used to be no. visible to the public so it's giving them a chance to see things they wouldn't normally see my final question of all the other aircraft here would you like to fly and that includes anything in any of the hangars as well oh now that's a bit tricky with anything in any of the hangars but of the ones that were flying yesterday the wildcat certainly was a lovely looking little machine yeah. I was speaking to the pilot earlier and it sounds like it would be a delight to fly if you're talking about stuff in the hangars well there is a sea vixen in there <laughs> I thought you were going to say the blackbird then for a moment I thought maybe that might have caught your eye no no I mean the blackbird's exceptional great story behind it but yeah I wouldn't necessarily want to fly it so you know when you go to an air show Al, and there's just so many beautiful aircraft but there's always an aircraft that kind of stands out for you the one yeah. that everybody goes oh uh, at Duxford, the Boeing B-17 Flying Fortress, it's... It's an insane. It's incredible. It's, it's breathtaking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's enormous. It's called a Flying Fortress for all the right reasons. And I think mm. the fact that you actually saw one at Duxford is... It's pretty incredible. Uh, I've 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 never seen one fly. I've seen one on the ground. But there are only nine airworthy uh, B-17s left in the world. So the fact that you saw one flying is incredible. There are 46 complete planes in total, 39 of which are still living over in the US where they're from. So nine nine that can get off the ground still. I mean, the fact that you, that you saw one is, is a bit of a rarity, actually. No, absolutely. I, I remember... Ooh. Probably, I think, 2005, when I was in Canada with BFBS, I managed to go to Palm Springs in America and got into the B-17 that flies from there. Uh, obviously, I didn't fly in it, but I got inside <laughs> it. It was absolutely beautiful. But what what a great place to store these aircraft because it's mm -hmm. hot and it's dry and, you know, they last a long, long time. But Ellie Salimbo, she's a, a Danish lady that, that owns the, the B-17 Sally B. Wow, what a force of nature. She's... She's been running this B-17 for years as a tribute to the men of the 8th Air Force. Now, obviously, we have a, a great affiliation with them in the UK because the 8th Air Force were mostly based in East Anglia. And these flying fortresses, they were they were day bombers. So our guys went in the, the Lanks and the Halifaxes at night. B-17s and B-24s went over in the day. Really, a really risky thing just, to do. Just how dangerous I mean, is going in a big, slow yeah. plane to go and bomb in the middle of the day when you can be seen? You know, they 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 went at night for a reason, and the fact that they would, yeah. I mean, uh, it doesn't bear thinking about that, really, does it? No, I mean, all of it. You know, whether you're a American, English, Polish, 
uh, Czech, whatever, amazingly brave men. Nothing could ever be taken away from that, you know. And that's one of the reasons that we do Mav Geeks in a way is, a you know, because we're totally in awe of, of things that have gone before. But a, an amazing fact to think and a really heartbreaking fact to think that there were 10 men on these B-17s, 10 men at a time being lost. Just don't bear thinking about. But um, Ellie Salimbo has has kept this B-17 going as a tribute to the men of the Air Force. She keeps it going on a shoestring. She is a force of nature, Al. <laughs> She's just <laughs> incredible. And there's a bunch of volunteers who help out, who restore the B-17. But I said to her, how, how do you keep it going, you know, how, with the money and everything? And she said, we we get reduced rates for, you know, when we come into uh, airports for fuel. She says, we have to do that because otherwise we wouldn't keep going. Uh, but just the dedication of these people to fly this beautiful aircraft as a living memorial. It takes my breath away every time, I'll really does. Anyway, I got to speak to Ellie's partner who pilots the B-17, that's Peter Kuypers. I asked him about how it feels to fly such an iconic aircraft and I'm sure his answer will be of no surprise. Special. Everyone asks me, I actually don't have a good answer. It's, uh, it's just special to fly this. And there are not that many people that fly B-17, especially in Europe, because it's the only aircraft that flies around uh, Europe. Compared to other aircraft that you've flown before, how, how does she compare? Is she quite forgiving? It's actually easy to fly, but it's it's a big machine and that makes it heavy, heavy on the controls, slow to react, but not difficult. You must have a great deal of affection for Sally B. I do, and I spend a lot of my time uh, keeping, helping to keep this machine airworthy. Why do you think it's such a fan favourite wherever you go? Sally B, it's been around for a long, long time, 45 years in the UK. It's been operated by B-17 Preservation and Ellie Sellingbow, who is behind it. The machine is actually called after her. And we keep it operational as a memorial to the Allied Airmen who died in 1940-45. As the aircraft gets older, obviously we all do, is Sally B getting harder to maintain as the years roll on? Yes, it is. Uh, parts are getting more scarce, parts are getting older, uh, things like insurance are getting more expensive. So yes, it's becoming more and more difficult and Covid did not help here. And as you fly the B-17, what quirks has she got? Maybe one of the big things is it's it's not designed to do what we're doing with it. It's designed to fly 25,000 feet straight and level towards Germany and hopefully coming back as well. And what we're doing is low level and just turning around all the time to stay in front of the public so it can be seen. Do you think there's any other aircraft that compares with the B-17? Of course, the British one, the Lancaster, same thing. It's the same job, it's a heavy four-engine bomber from uh, World War II. So, yeah, it's very comparable to the, to the Lancaster. One is British, the other one's American. They're built in different ways, they have different engines, but they did a comparable job. When you're flying the B-17, are you quite confident in her or are you... I mean, I, I've yes. got an old car. <laughs> I'm not always confident in that. Are you confident in the machine that you fly? Yes, we are. It, 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 just once you're in it, it just feels like you can rely on it. Even the, the air crew in, uh, in the Second World War had the same feeling. It was very beloved by the people, very sturdy, and it felt very safe to be in it. 
it's got four engines it will easily fly on three it will even fly on two so to me it's a very safe aircraft and is it your favorite aircraft to fly yes it is <laughs> that's a simple question <laughs> and i've got to tell you al that when that b-17 flew that day the whole crowd was silent just the sound of those right cyclone engines going just filled the airfield it was like it was a spiritual moment you know what i mean yeah i can i can picture it and i can hear it and i i know that that air show silence when something magical just goes across the crowd i i, I you know i've been there when it's happened at air shows before when something big just happens and everyone goes quiet and all there is is the sound of the engines and it is phenomenal um we're gonna move on now to, to some more aircraft that you uh, found out a bit more about in Duxford, including concord which I, i'm really looking forward to hearing about but as we're talking about all these old uh, world war one and two planes i just want to have a little bit of a chat about the sopwith camel because as an aircraft it just baffles me that at any point in history anyone would ever get into it frankly because it was basically just held to, yeah. it was just wood and aluminium but i think it was not put together very well at all you know it's a world war one fighter and when we talk about fighters today and fast jets i mean this was not either of them really uh, it wasn't that maneuverable the propeller was made of wood which <laughs> it just seems like a terrible mm. decision frankly but funnily enough more or as as many pilots died training to fly in this aircraft and learning oh to fly it than in combat that like it was just not a safe aircraft to be in but obviously at the time it was it was the, the height of aviation technology it was it was a fighter and they did incredible dogfights in it but when you think about the amount of people that crashed it and lost their life just trying to get the thing off the ground it's kind of a bit of a that doesn't make sense in my head compared to the way we do things today and that that kind of blows my mind Oh, gosh, absolutely. And, I mean, you, you talk about the sop with camel. Uh, I got to speak to some guys who have a display team of um, tiger moths. I mean, these aircraft, they, the guy that was commentating described them as they look like crisp bags in the wind. They do. <laughs> they do. They look like crisp packets lying about. But brilliant crisp packets, all cheese and onion. But just, <laughs> Ooh, just I'm not such sure. a... <laughs> but... But graceful, uh, but also you think to yourself, how on earth does it fly? But again, the commentator was saying to me, the thing is, it's so simple that when something goes wrong, you fix it and you fly again. It doesn't need yeah. computers. It doesn't need fancy stuff. You replace something, you fix it, you bodge it together and mm -hmm. you're off again, which I guess is what flying is all about, really. So I'll find a warbird, but not quite a warbird, but kind of a warbird that we're going to be talking about today is the tiger moth. Mm -hmm. um, I was really chuffed to see the Tiger 9 display team go up there, throw the, they're just beautiful planes, throw the tiger moth around. And I got to speak to 80 year old former Concorde captain. I really hope that we get to do an episode with Jerry about Concorde, by the way. Uh, he's 80 years old and he flies his tiger moth information with that display team. Um, can you believe his aircraft is only one year older than he is? It's <laughs> just weird, isn't it? That just it absolutely blows your mind. I mean, these things are from the 30s and they're still chucking them around in the air like it's nobody's business. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Incredible. But the funny thing was, was that the whole display team, you know, they had a combined age older than the Rolling Stones. <laughs> not, I, don't, I don't think any of them were below se sort of 65, 70. But they got up there. It was beautiful to watch. I asked Jerry as well what it was like flying an 81-year-old Tigger after flying Concorde. 
Well, it's an acquired taste, I think, but once you've, <laughs> once you've got the taste, it is, it is magnificent. Yes, it's very old-fashioned, very, very basic, but open cockpit flying is wonderful on a summer's day, and, and in a group of nine of us, it's just a whole new experience. Lovely. Uh, and what, what drew you to this particular aircraft? Well, I learned to fly on one of these when right. I was 16. Okay. So I've really gone back to my roots, having gone through the Concorde story, back to, oh, That's back okay. to where I started. So, has she got any quirks when you're flying? Uh, yes, well, all, all airplanes have little quirks. Tiger Moths, yes, it has little quirks, but uh, we get used to them and, and you know, like uh, many things, you love them for the quirks. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me about the reception you get from people when they see the Tiger Moth flying, because it, it's just a, a bit of a, a bygone era, isn't it? It is really, yes. The crowd seem to like it. Um, families particularly, I think young children seem to. So yesterday we followed the Typhoon, which is a fairly magnificent modern airplane we're a total contrast but it seems to go down well with the public they dislike us coming here and that's why ducks would invite us back well you're certainly not as noisy as the typhoon no absolutely that, not. that's no, for sure probably no. don't use as much fuel either definitely but there not we go. No, no. so jerry if we can just go a little bit further back mm. we'll talk about concord would you be able to tell me your concord story oh dear that's a bit of a tall ask it's a long time ago now i've been retired for uh, 25 years so uh, you know it's going back a bit but it was just a wonderful time, really. I spent 20 years flying it, and, and all over the world, right? in fact. Mostly, of course, to the uh, New York and the States, but uh, I did go around the world once, and it wonderful. Mm. What were the, the, the nice bits about flying Concorde? Well, at first it was a lovely airplane to fly. It was very, very powerful, and it had a certain cachet about it. We, met, we got to talk to a lot of very interesting people who were our passengers, mainly heads of industry and people like that, you know, fascinating people, as well as big sporting stars. And in those days, they could come and talk to us on the flight deck and, and uh, tell us some of their stories. Fascinating, really. Obviously, it was so technologically ahead of its time. Mm. Did you feel like you were flying Concorde? Or did you feel like, you know, did you just sit back in the cockpit and enjoy coffee uh, or champagne? No. Well, no, not no, champagne, no, no, obviously, no, no. but, you no, know. It was, it was the last, really, of, of airplanes. That were, modern airplanes are very uh, computerised. And this had some computers, but it was still a basic airplane to fly. So if you like flying airplanes, Concorde was mm. a great machine to be on. So if you could fly any aircraft at Duxford, you've probably flown quite a few of them, but if, if you could fly uh, yes, <laughs> any, yes. in any hangar... Well, I think everyone likes a Spitfire, don't they, really? I think, I think I'd probably go for one of those. Ginny, I can't believe you asked him if he had a glass of champagne while he was flying. I mean, when you get to that age, nothing's nothing's off, right? You can pretty much do whatever you want, but I was pretty cheeky. It was cheeky as well. I mean, like as though any airline pilot flying Concorde or any commercial jet is going to drink alcohol when they're up there. I just thought I was just really taken with the whole glamorous side of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, let's let's have steak and foie gras and a glass of champagne at, at 40,000 feet. But yes, I did feel rather stupid after that. That. Do you know what, Al? That's it for this series. Can you believe it? Amazing. Do you know what? Looking back at all that stuff that you did at Duxford was was just great because it is an iconic location. It's an iconic air show. I'm so glad it's back after the pandemic. I can't wait to go next year. I'm definitely going. Um, and it's just been, I mean, we've had a blast, haven't we, speaking to all these people. They've been phenomenal. All of our guests have mm. been great with all the stories they've told us, with all the history they've shared with us. It's been a great journey. I think as well, just how gracious people have been in telling their story. And, you know, we've we've heard some real big laughs, but we've also heard some real big lows as well with people. Uh, and for people to actually share that and, and be able to talk about it, I think has been such a privilege as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the end, though, because uh, we're off for a few weeks, no. but it's, it's Halloween just around the corner. So we've got a bit of a Halloween special coming up. So I am going to be recording this week at the South Yorkshire 
aircraft museum. It's one of those museums where they have loads and loads, tons of old aircraft, not just like, you know, oh, there's a half an old lightning outside. They've got everything. They've got Buccaneer, Al. Uh, they've got an Air Mackie, as we ah, talked about earlier yes. on. Uh, they've got all sorts of stuff. But what they've also got are maybe some people who don't go home at the end of every night as well, if you know what I mean. Or some things uh-huh. that don't go home at the end uh-huh. of every night. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not Yvette Field in off most haunted <laughs> or anything like that. Um, but one of the things uh, that the museum do is that they do like ghost hunts and ghost walks because lots of people have reported things happening there around the aircraft. So I'm going to go in the day, not on a ghost hunt or anything, but speaking to some of the people that help out there and also finding out a little bit about the aircraft and stuff. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that but also a little bit more about things that go bump in the night we're also going to be speaking to some chums of mine from the air force who maybe have had some well otherworldly experiences where places they've been based and the other thing we're going to be speaking about al is the eastern airlines flight 401 l1011 tristar that crashed in the everglades back Mm. in 1972 now as we know sometimes if an aircraft does crash or isn't used anymore then parts of the aircraft are used on other aircrafts well let's just say yeah 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 there are some pretty strange stories knocking about about what happened to the rest of the TriStar so we'll be talking about that as well good I cannot wait I I think do you know what I don't think I'd like to be in an aircraft that had bits of other aircraft that crashed to be used in it and it would make me feel a bit a bit eerie and a bit I'm not sure so I'm very much looking forward to hearing that Uh, Jimster Enjoy your time at the airfield. We're going to hear all about it. And uh, as we said at the start, if you'd like to get in touch with us, mavgeeks at bfbs.com is the way to do that. Until then, see you on our special. Ta-da!